welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of September 2015, entitled Never Lose Heart, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Galatians chapter 6. We began here last Sunday, if you were here. If you weren't, I'm sorry you missed that first part. But uh, we'll pick up. God's Word is certainly, uh, there's so much there for us that we want to pick up with this thought again uh, today. Uh, First of all, reading from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, I invite you to stand with us to honor the reading of God's precious and holy Word. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege once again to be gathered together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, here in this place that you've made possible for us. Lord, we thank you for each one here today. And Lord, we pray that you would give us unity of heart and mind as we worship you. But also, Lord, if there be one in our midst that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, you would speak to their hearts as no man can speak. Lord, that you would draw them unto yourself as no other can. Lord, that they would not only know the conviction this morning of the Holy Spirit through the power of your word, but Lord, that they would have the faith, the courage, the strength, the wisdom they need. Lord, to accept that truth by faith, to put their faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, that this day, Lord, they can be more grateful. They can give thanks for the greatest gift that man has ever known, Lord, not the one that will just sustain us for a day, but that which will sustain us for eternity. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. Help our minds not to wander. Help us, Lord, to focus upon your word and that which you have for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, there are many, many, many things that we can look at in this passage, but I can only pick out a few of them this morning. Our main theme as we began to look at this last Sunday, as we said in preparation for today, we said that the main thing that we're wanting to focus in on here is what he says to us there 
in verse 9, when he said, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now we've looked at a few things last week and we can't go back and repeat all those as we look before us here this morning. We see all of this fruit and vegetable that sustains us in this life, that gives us that nourishment that we need day by day by day. But it didn't get here by itself. Somebody put in the work. Somebody worked the ground. Somebody sowed the seeds. But you know what? It was only God that gave the increase. And whether we're talking about the natural world or the spiritual world, but we said last week that so many times what the Bible is saying is not to be weary in well-doing, not to grow weary in doing the things that are good. Now, we've already looked at some things there. We know that anything that's good comes from God. There is nothing good within us. We find that he's telling us here, though, not to grow weary not to slow down, not to give up, not to quit in doing that which is good, in doing that which is godly, in doing that which serves him for eternity. Don't grow weary. So well, that's easy to say, but the truth is we've all known weariness at times. But we find that what he's telling us here is now is not the time to grow weary, to slow down. He says, and he makes this wonderful promise, for in due season, not our season, God's season. This came in its season. God's the one that brought it forth and gave the increase of everything that you see on these tables this morning. Spiritually, it's the same. In due season. In God's timing, in God's season, in due season, notice what he says, we shall reap if we faint not. There is a conditional promise that is being given there. In due season, in God's season, in God's timing, there shall be a harvest. We will reap if we faint not. And we said that word that's translated faint there, we think of just somebody passing out but what he's really talking about here is if you don't lose heart, if you don't become disheartened, never lose heart because God has promised that in his season we shall reap. It's a promise. It's a surety. And we looked at a number of illustrations and we looked at a number of things, but I want to give you three simple thoughts in these next few minutes. And you can build on them because there is so much more here. What? is he talking about here? What does he not want us to grow weary in doing? What does he not want sometimes when, when we just don't have the heart? You see, the thing is, people can continue to go through the actions with something, but they have no heart for it. <laughs> they have no heart in it whatsoever. Everything that we do with God and for God it all comes from the heart. It's not just a bunch of mechanical action. We find that we're not talking about here about doing good, about accomplishing works so that we can be saved, so that God can love us more, so that anything. What we're talking about is doing good, serving God, doing the things that he wants us to do because we love him, because of what he's already blessed us so greatly for. We find that 
the first thing I want you to think about is, first of all, the practice that's before us. The practice. What are we doing with our lives? What does God want us to be doing with our lives? What is to be our task, our work as Christians? What is he not wanting us to grow weary in here? Well, we could look at many things throughout the Bible. But he's wanting us to keep doing what's right. To keep doing that which is good. And we can just as surely say that which is godly because that's where all true goodness comes from. He wants us to keep doing those things so that the harvest will come. Notice back in Acts chapter 10, notice what the Word of God says there in, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Notice the next words in your Bible. Who went about doing good by God's power. Even Jesus Christ, who is God. God the Father anointed Jesus Christ the Son with God the Holy Spirit. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him in John chapter 20, verse 21, as Jesus is having one of his last talks with his disciples before he leads here, he says to them, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son. And he anointed him with the power of God the Holy Spirit. And he went about doing good. All good things are from him. We can elaborate on that so much, but as the Father has sent me, Jesus said, even so send I you in the same manner, in the same way that God has sent me to walk about doing good, I'm sending you to go about doing good. That which we do with our lives, that which is truly good, that which is really worthwhile, that which is going to last for eternity is that which we do for him. Everything else is temporal. We get so focused on our lives, on that which is so short, which is so temporal, which is going to one day be gone and not even exist. Only that which is done for him will last. You see, the practice, what is it? We find that if you look what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and in verse 17, he said, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. <laughs> you know, when I read that, I think, well, <laughs> the one thing that's constant there is there's going to be some suffering. <laughs> what he's saying, though, is that, boy, it's a whole lot better thing if you're going to face suffering in this life, which we all will, if it's in the will of God, suffering for doing good rather than suffering for doing evil. Suffering is going to come. But what's going to bring the suffering? Are you going to, are you going to go through some tough times in this life because of what you're doing for God, what you're doing that's good? Or are you going to do it because of sin? 
and evil in your life. Paul, in writing to young Titus, says in Titus chapter 3, he says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. We've talked about that change. Yes, we are all, if you've been here last week and this week during the Bible study time, we said there. We was talking about this changing bad character into good character. The difference in a character and a reputation. The truth is we're all born with bad characters. It's only through Jesus Christ that that change, that new creation. And Paul's reminding Titus here, he's saying, look, we've all done those things. We're no different. We're all that way. It's only because of the kindness and love of God towards man that makes anything possible, that makes it any different for us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, the same Holy Ghost that was there upon Jesus Christ. It's the same Holy Ghost that's been shed upon us. There's only one God. There's only one Holy Ghost. He says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will, I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. May I say to you that what does it mean to do good? Well, from everything that I can gather, we can look at many more places. The only good that's going to happen is that which comes from the Jesus that lives within us, that which comes through the power of the Holy Ghost from God himself, that which is done for him, not for our own selfish lust. We've all done those things, but that's not who we are in Christ anymore. I'd like to say also that if we're honest, probably all of us as Christians are guilty of abusing God's grace because it's so magnificent. It's so grand. It's so great. It's so big. <laughs> but we abuse it. He's saying to us here, we're not saved because of what we're doing that's good. We're not saved by all the righteousness of ourselves. We're only saved by his righteousness. What he does through us, what Jesus Christ did for us, is what saves us. And anything that's in this life, you know, one day, again, it gets hard for us because God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. We know that. We don't work our way to heaven like all of those other religions are trying to do. 
But you know that one day every man will stand before God and face his works alone. We read that just a minute ago. You know, how about how that we, we actually work and care and share each other's burdens, but yet we're all responsible for our own. It doesn't mean that we just throw all our burdens on everybody else and expect them to do it for us. You see, Jesus took it all when he went to Calvary. We're being encouraged here. And, of course, he gives us a few things which we can just look at briefly here in Galatians chapter 6. Some of the things that he mentions there in verse 1, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of me, giving spiritual help to others. That's what Jesus would do. I wonder if I asked this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't wonder if I asked this morning, how many of you here this morning have got some area of your life that you're struggling with right now? that you've got some burden that you're trying so hard to cope with, that you've got something that maybe Satan has been throwing at you and throwing at you. Sometimes you just feel like you're growing weary. You just feel like that it's too much. Or you feel like that it's accomplishing nothing because we're looking for it in our season. Sometimes we grow weary but the problem is here, the practice is before us, is that we have got to keep doing that which is good, that which is godly, that which serves him. Because in due season, we will reap. We will reap if we don't lose heart. If we don't let our hearts get out of this thing. Giving spiritual help to others. There are those that are struggling undoubtedly here today. And you know, you can, you can look at this in some way. Sometimes we just got enough of a burden of our own. We don't think we can dare stand to carry somebody else's. Or we look at somebody and we say, man, not again. I mean, I've helped that person and I've helped that person. And they just keep messing up again and again. May I say, God's saying to us, don't grow weary. Don't slow down. Don't stop helping that person. If somebody is struggling, if somebody is falling, if you've got a brother, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he's already been taken down by it. He's already committing sin. He's already fell from something and done something. If a man is overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There is not a one of us here today that couldn't fall. There's not a one of us here today that is so strong that it couldn't be us. Not even tomorrow, but even today. Oh, he says, consider. <laughs> We're just all sinners saved by grace. Consider the practice. You see, the practice is the same practice of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the works that he's talking about, going about, serving him, doing what Jesus would do. And one of those ways is by being always ready to give a spiritual hand to somebody else that's struggling. You might be struggling yourself, but give. Give and it shall be given unto you. He says later on that keep in mind that it's what you sow that you're going to reap. Maybe if you need some strength, maybe you need to give a little strength to somebody else by helping a brother, 
He says in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This one hasn't failed yet. The other one has been overtaken in a fault. This one here is just a brother that's, man, he, he's, just, he's got a heavy burden and he's struggling with carrying it. The problem is so many times we get looking at my burden. This is too hard for me. I'm growing weary. I can't go any further. Well, he's saying, don't be weary in good doing. Don't be weary, even if you're under burden, don't be weary in helping that spiritual need in that brother that has fallen. Don't be weary in helping that one that needs help. Don't be weary in helping to lift that burden on another. I don't, it doesn't, I don't matter what kind of burden you've got. What he's talking about here is don't grow weary in doing what you should be doing for others. We can't even begin to comprehend what Jesus Christ bore when he went to Calvary for each and every one of us, and yet, thank God, he didn't grow weary in doing what he needed to do there in dying for our sins, though he certainly had enough of a burden of his own to carry when he took on those sins. Each and every one of us. Give spiritual help to others. Sharing the burden. Instead of getting so focused upon how hard you've got it, reach out to that person that's burdened down and help them. And we could look at so many other passages, but we don't have time. Verse 6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Sharing with others what God gives to us. Do you know that the only reason that any of us have any understanding of this, he says the natural man can't understand it. It's only because by God's grace, he's taught us through the Holy Spirit. He says, be willing. Be willing to share with others. Take the time. Take the time. Maybe it's that, it's that young Christian that hasn't had the opportunity yet. He says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. It is important that you're taught in the Word, not your ideas. They don't need all your great ideas about how they can be a better Christian and a better person. They need God's communication. What God has taught and shown you, be willing. Notice what he said in verse 10. He said, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. How many times... Do we go around looking for the opportunities? How many times do we seek the opportunities of being able to do something good for someone else? Again, many passages. He goes on to say there, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. <laughs> helping a brother or sister, helping your family helping those that are one with you in Christ. He's telling us, take the opportunity to help anybody. But then he puts a special emphasis, especially, he says, unto them who are the household of faith. Especially look for opportunities to be able to be a blessing and encouragement, do something good for your brother or sister in Christ. Doing something, seeking those opportunities, doing those acts of love, members of your family, and then in verse 14 and 15, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto him, and I unto the world. 
For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. <laughs> no matter what you do or what you don't do, what religious acts you go through, none of that matters. When it comes down to it, he says, here, the greatest work you can do. I mean, he's just got through telling us to look for the opportunities to be able to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he's reminding us here, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me. You see, sharing the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is undoubtedly one of the greatest ways in all the world that you can continue. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Don't slow down. Don't grow weary in helping your brother or sister in Christ. Don't grow weary when one of them falls to help them up. Don't grow weary in helping somebody else carry their burden, no matter what you're carrying in your life. Don't grow weary in sharing what God has given and blessed and done for you and sharing that with others. Don't grow weary in looking for the opportunities to do good, especially to your family. Don't grow weary sharing the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not seeing all the fruit right now. Can I say to you that you may as well throw in the towel right now, never enter these doors again, never pick up your Bible again, never get on your knees and pray again, and forget that a God even is supposed to exist out there anywhere. You may as well forget it all if you think this promise isn't true. The Bible says, God says, you see, if God can lie in one place, he can lie anywhere. But God cannot lie. God said, don't grow weary in doing that which is good, in doing that which is godly, in doing that which is Christ-like. Don't grow weary in those things. Because I promise you, you will reap if you faint not. It'll come in due season. It'll come in my season. There is no doubt about it. We find that that's the practice that's put before us. But there's also a peril, a danger that's there before us as well. What is that peril? Well, the one that he's talking about right here is very simply becoming weary. <laughs> you know that, that people can go to hell because we grow weary? Other Christians can struggle and hurt because we grow weary. You see, God has given us. He's designed the program for us. We want to get all of man's programs. God's given us the program right here in his word. It's the practice that Jesus Christ himself has performed. That's what to take place in our lives. Don't grow weary in doing that which is Christ-like. People do it for a lot of reasons, and I can only just give these to you this evening, and you can look them up, but you know some of them are just common sense, overwork. I'm not saying that you can do too much for the Lord. I believe personally that's an impossibility, but I believe you can try doing too much for the Lord. If you're in God's will doing what God wants you to do, you'll never, ever, ever overwork yourself. But the problem is, as Christians, many times we overwork ourselves because we're doing all the things we think we should do and that we ought to do in our own strength and our own power, many times because we've been taught all these things and we've got it all so figured out ourselves and we're just on autopilot going down through there. And the truth is, is that we can do too much in the wrong places 
rather than doing enough in the right place. Folks, people grow weary just because they get out of God's will. Sometimes they don't start doing bad things. They're still doing good things. But it's possible to do too many good things if it's not the good things that God wants you to be doing. If you're not doing it where God wants you to be doing it, we find that God tells us that the rest that we have, we must have that peace that can only come from him. Again, Psalm 119, 165, great peace. Have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. <laughs> I wouldn't even begin to try to count the number of times that I saw Christians even from this congregation right here that are not here today, not because God has moved them somewhere else, but because they got their feelings hurt, they got offended by what somebody else said or somebody else did. Folks, it's easy to take offense. And sometimes we take things so personal. But I'm saying to you here that there is a peril before us. Number one, of doing the wrong work in the wrong place just because it's good instead of doing what God wants us to do where God wants us to be. There's a danger of not getting the rest that we need, not because God hates slothfulness. He hates laziness. You can find it all through the Bible. He hates the sluggard. God honors work. We find that he says great peace will come when you love the law of God, when you're walking with him, instead of being offended by others, you're going to lose that peace when you start letting other people's acts and what other people are doing bring offense to you. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. What are you thinking about? Where is your mind? Are you thinking upon God, upon him and what he wants and what he wants to do with your life? I admit, sometimes I get literally, you know, I hate myself because that I've grown weary in this and I have to try to catch myself because I'm thinking of the past. And I'm thinking of what has been and what is. And I'm thinking of circumstances. And I'm thinking of what other people have said and done. The truth is, our peace comes when our mind is stayed on him and we trust in him. Whatever, whatever they've done, whatever they've said, whatever's going on, keep your mind stayed on him. Be thankful for what he's done for you. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You shall reap in due season if you faint not, if you just don't lose heart. We find that there are many, many adversities that can come our way, things that can make us quit. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time because, man, I, boy, I hate clocks. Most of it, even though it's more personal to maybe some of us than others, would know what the Declaration of Independence was. And you know, sometimes we stop and think, I mean, here, man, these were, these guys that signed that Declaration of Independence, you know, their names carry on, and everybody that looks at it, they see their, their signature on there, and what a great thing that they did. Do you know that <laughs> it's almost astounding when you begin to read what happened to many of those men 
because their signature was on there. Many of them were tortured, God forbid, by the British, because <laughs> that's who they were fighting at the time. They were tortured and put to death because of their signature being on that piece of paper, what they thought was right. Many of them, some of them and some of their children died in the battle fighting for that independence. Many of them, their homes and everything was destroyed because of who they were and what they had signed. You want to come back to a little bit spiritual, more spiritual close? What about those 12 apostles that followed the Lord Jesus Christ? You know that every one of them, historically, if we look back, they all died horrible, terrible deaths because they stood for what they believed. They kept doing good. They didn't grow weary in well-doing. As far as we know, <laughs> John's the only one that probably died, and even he died in exile. The others were put to death for doing good, for being Christ-like. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be discouragement. The devil's going to make sure of that. There is absolutely no need, no way that you can get around it. It's going to be there. But remember, when you're feeling discouraged, remember who it is. Because I promise you this, if you read your Bible, God has never and will never. He is sovereign and in control. But he's never desired and made somebody be discouraged <laughs> to keep doing what's right. Never. Never. He gives us warning after warning about what it will do to us and how it will affect us. Sometimes... Are you here today? And even though you know you're saved, you know you're on your way to heaven. That's all been sealed up. You know that without a shadow of a doubt. But have you maybe lost heart? Oh, you know, <laughs> I can look. I can be heartbroken for you. But the truth is, is that nobody but nobody can do anything about that except you. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Remember what David did when he was distressed? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. The other people were upset. They're wanting to stone David to death. Now, that's a pretty good reason to get distressed. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That almost makes a Baptist want to have a running spell. David had everybody turned against him. They wanted to stone him to death. They wanted to put him to death because of what other people were feeling. David didn't have anybody to encourage him. Sometimes we want to have our little pity party. Well, nobody else cares. Always, always, always. It's not on what somebody else is doing to you or for you. What are you doing for someone else? Jesus Christ came to do everything for you. He came to serve, not to be served. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in your Christ-likeness. Don't grow weary in these things. Because you've lost heart. No. The Bible says never lose heart. Never lose heart. 
Because you will reap in due season. You will reap if you don't lose heart. If you never lose heart. You see, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. I'm saying to you today, none of us have an excuse when nobody else helped me. He's telling us to be helping everyone else. But we don't have an excuse. The peril is that we get center-focused. The peril is that we lose heart, that we grow weary. God's trying to warn us against that. Oh, today, if you've lost heart, just get back on your face, your knees. I don't care what you have to do before God. Get your heart back in this thing. Don't just go through the actions because you know one day you're going to go to heaven. It's all going to be okay. You just take each day as it comes. Don't grow weary in your well-doing. Don't grow weary in serving God. Because you see, the plan, the practice, the program, God has laid it out for us. Our practice is to be the same practice of Jesus Christ. The peril is that we grow weary, that we get discouraged, that we get distressed, that we stop doing what we ought to be doing. Because as long as we keep doing it, there will be a harvest. If these natural farmers had grown weary in planting those seeds and tilling that ground and doing those things to bring forth this fruit, it wouldn't be here today. Today. Don't grow weary. You see, the practice that is before us is the practice of being Christ-like. The peril that is before us is that of growing weary through discouragement, distress, through whatever. He's talking about not growing weary. The prospect that's before us. What is the prospect? In due season, you will reap. That's the prospect. That's his promise. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. There is a harvest. I promise you. I promise you on not only just everything that I am and every breath that I've got on everything that God is, I promise you it will be worth it in the end. We must never lose heart. Psalm 126 says, 126, 6, he that goeth forth and weepeth. <laughs> Why is he weeping? Because his heart is in it. Because he's feeling the compassion that Jesus felt for them. Even though he knew they were going to turn on him, they were going to destroy him. And yet he was hurting for them. Because they were the ones that were lost like, a, like sheep without a shepherd. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's God's promise. That's the prospect that is before us. It means exactly what it says. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. 1 Corinthians 15.54, 15.58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in what? In the work of the Lord, 
For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you have a choice? You have a lot of choices today. Do you have a choice in whether you should be busy at work in well-doing? Well, I think that God has made that very, very, very clear. Sometimes, sometimes it just takes a little bit of old-fashioned perseverance. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. <laughs> what about what everybody else is doing instead of doing anything themselves? Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. <laughs> he says, I know. <laughs> He's writing to the church. I know that there are those around that are doing absolutely nothing. They're not working for anything. They're just wanting it all piled on their plates and given to them. I know that, God says. But you know what? He says, they're too busy worrying about what everybody else. They're just busybodies. Instead of actually doing anything themselves. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Seriousness sometimes. Sometimes maybe somebody gets so out of order that you just can't really keep company with them. But even then, he says, you don't treat him like an enemy. You admonish him as a brother. It's always to try to restore, to try to make things better. We find that we need to safeguard ourselves against becoming weary, against losing heart. Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to come to a close. Isaiah chapter 40 Notice what he says beginning in verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not. Oh, that's what he told us not to do. Neither is weary. He's just asking us to be God-like, to be Christ-like. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He says, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What God is asking of us is just to let him have control of our lives. To let him do it through us. He, in our natural strength, even the youngest and the fittest can grow weary. But he never grows weary. He never faints. If we'll wait upon him, he'll renew our strength. Folks, these are promises. The devil is determined to get you discouraged, to get you distressed, to get you weary, to get you to stop doing the good things that Christ wants you to do, to stop doing the things that he wants with your life. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider Jesus. Consider what he went through for you. Consider what he did for you. And I close with this verse again this morning. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It can't be. It's impossible for it to be. Never lose heart. You will in yourself. I don't care how good you are. Never. Remember the practice that's before us, that we be Christ-like, that we serve him, that those things. Remember the ways that he's shown us in considering the brother that has fallen, in considering the brother that's, that's under a heavy load right now, seeking every opportunity that we can to be an encouragement to someone else, to be a blessing to someone else, to do something for someone else, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. Seeking every opportunity to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't grow weary. It's not a time to slow down. We have so much to be thankful for and this reminds us of it as we look at the beauty of this harvest before us. But we have even more to be thankful for in the spiritual harvest, in what Christ has done for us in our hearts, and in what Christ will do to bring a harvest to others through our lives. Don't grow weary. Don't slow down. Just remember, you shall reap. In due season, if you faint not, if you don't lose heart. Father, I can't even begin to express, and Lord, there's a lot of things I had in my notes that I've run out of time here today. So many illustrations we could have given on some of these things, but Lord, I just pray that you'll take these feeble attempts as in everything else. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray that you'd encourage every individual here today. First of all, Lord, there may be somebody here that maybe they've been trying to do good and maybe they've done good and maybe they've tried to work their own righteousness. But, Lord, we have seen simply that, Lord, it's not our righteousness that counts. It's the righteousness that can only come through Christ. It's 
Lord, I pray for that person that might be lost today. I pray that they would come to realize and understand that only in Jesus Christ can they have that life that will last for eternity. Everything else they work for is temporal. But Lord, today they have an opportunity to be one with him. Help them, Lord, this day to make that choice. And Lord, for every Christian here, I, I don't know anybody's heart, but you know each one's. Lord, I'm sure there's somebody here today that maybe they're feeling discouraged. Maybe they're feeling distressed. Maybe they're feeling weary. Lord, I pray. I pray that you'd help them to take these simple thoughts that we've looked at today. Help them to realize, Lord, there will be a harvest. We will reap that harvest if we just don't grow weary in well-doing. Lord, help us not to lose heart. Help us to keep going, doing those things with the heart of Christ within us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each one. Help them, Lord, today to know that strength which can only come from you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.